0: My guest this week got his taste of fashion early by making surf trunks for his friends in school. Next thing you know, he's designing for Armani, and eventually he's the executive vice president of design for Gap. But in this career, he saw how fashion was making people happy, but also polluting the planet, leading him to create his brand Pasco, a brand that is constantly trying to do more with less, and he wants to tell you why you should too. This is a masterclass of entrepreneurship and fashion for our new world. And it's from American designer, Mr. Patrick Robinson. My name is Jeremy Kirkland, and this is Blamo, a podcast exploring the world of fashion with the people who shape it. My guest this week is Patrick Robinson, founder and CEO of Pasco. Patrick and I discussed his career designing for some of the biggest brands in the world and why he thinks runway shows and seasonal collections are no longer relevant and why he believes local makers and sustainability are the future of clothing. Rowing Blazers, the irreverent, vintage-inspired New York brand worn by the likes of Timothy Chalamet and Russell Westbrook, is launching its fall-winter 2020 collection, and it's a tribute to Princess Diana in the early 80s. It's everything we want right now. Look, Rowing Blazers is a brand I've been in awe of since they launched, and they're a true example of creating their own lane in the fashion world. The new collection includes 80s inspired French terry sweats and tees, deep pile Sherpa jockey fleeces, rugby shirts inspired by climbing culture and Dutch student societies. I mean, come on. This collection also includes collaborations with several British designers closely associated with the late Princess of Wales and as usual, lots of amazing other collabs launching, too. Right now, Rowing Blazers is offering ten percent off for BLAMO listeners. Just enter promo code BLAMO at checkout. That's rowingBlazers.com and enter BLAMO at checkout for ten percent off your order. Thanks. Thanks for making the time to chat. This is uh I've long been a fan of your of your work yeah, from so. from you know, obviously from from the gap days and and from earlier.
1: And so but, you know, with notice pass- like that exhale when you say that, it's like when you bring up all of that, it's like Oof. Yeah, it was a it was a lot. It oh yeah. Wait, lot. what do you mean? No, it's you know, when you look back and you look upon a the history of anything, the history of what you've done, mm. it's it's uh it seems while you're going through it, it doesn't seem all that heavy, but if you look back, I I don't know, there's always a breath I have to let out of uh of fun accomplishments and all the good stuff. Right. And so you, you kind of have to breathe it. (laughs) I don't know. There's something about me. I just breathe it all out. Let it go again. Yeah.
0: Um, I'm sure you feel good though, in the sense that, well, I mean, let's just be honest. There's a lot of designers who maybe some of their early years and younger years, they're loved and they make stuff. And then you don't really hear about them anymore and they just kind of disappear. And you've, built a real career. You, 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 didn't have a job. Yeah, I'm
1: annoying. I'm annoying. No. I'm like a cockroach. I don't go away. No, a, <laughs> no, but that's, but I, you know, you're a hundred percent right, but that's a, um, it's, it's probably, it's one of the all industries are tough, but we really picked a, a cruel one. Um, it's a industry that favors the young and, and, um, you have a, you have a certain window to make, make space and time and, 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 uh, get acknowledgement, but it's fashion, right? So everyone's always looking for the new. And what you have to do is realize that you, 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 it's like being, I am, I see actors do it, right. You, you get right. you move to different stages and you get different roles. And so I think that's, I've always acknowledged that. Um, mm. it's the, I think if you try to hold on to being young, I'd love to, but I'm no longer that. <laughs> also, I could go on and on about that. It's that's a really interesting topic because I think people, um, uh, let themselves get caught in the trap that they can't age with where with their career, and so you see them get stuck in that they want they still are trying to be in this one role, right? They're trying to be um the poster kid and the the one the young one um, and it doesn't work that way you you do have to release some of that and go into a different role and so i've been i've i've tried throughout my career to make sure that i was always doing that but it's also another thing is i ha- i'm 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 hugely fascinated and and Curious is the right word about everything. And so uh-huh. anytime that's, that's really helped me not get pigeonholed. So every time I sort of figured something out, you know, going to Paris and working there or, or working for a huge brand like The Gap or working very young and working for a brilliant designer like Giorgio Armani or and then doing e-commerce, like anything that the, the newest and the, the most interesting things always interest me. Um, so I'm, I'm very good at fashion because I have a short attention span.
0: (laughs) (laughs) But I mean, you know, earlier you were saying that like, you know, a lot of designers, like they don't have that ability to evolve, um, as, as the role asks for it. But I mean, I would say when you look at a lot of, a lot of other designers and there, there are plenty that you and I know that have really struggled with that. But I would say from someone like you, I mean, Maybe it's because at least from my perspective and and you know it, paying attention to you over the years, I don't ever see you as someone who's been trying maybe it's if if I put it in a better way, you're not someone who strikes me as someone who's obsessed with the vanity of fashion, yeah, but more yeah. of the story
1: yeah and and I've been um that's been an interesting one. I've had people tell me over and over that I should be more interested in the the vanity, the fame of it. Um mm-hmm. and everyone likes that, right? Everyone likes a pat on the back and, and the acknowledgement. But honestly, I, I at points um at points I've just been uh, I've pulled away from it, um, personally because it's not in my DNA. Mm-hmm. And at other parts I've embraced it. Um but I've always, I, I think that's what's made me successful is that I've always been able to see that, that, um, it's not just about the vanity. If that's all, if that's the only ticket you have, you have a very short career because there's no way you can keep that flame alive for very long. It's, yeah. it truly comes down to you, you have to have talent. You have to really, and talent takes, Takes understanding your craft, and understanding the work, and understanding the consumer, and really listening for what's coming next, and being a part of of that 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 continuous uh, movement towards newness, that continuous movement towards the next, and embracing that. And I mean, I could go on and on about it, but I mean, it could be as simple as as you know, there's so many. As we go, we're going through this crisis right now. Right. right, and I look, at, I look at brands and companies, and I, I see these expensive, expensive clothes. Um, and I just shake my head because it's so unrelevant. Um, and it was unrelevant before COVID, but this just, this just blows it up that um, How is that's it not the relevant. Well, because I, I think that um, the world started moving, the, when you have the opportunity to talk to younger people. And when you have the opportunity to, to look at the world and the, the way that the world is set with how people are spending their money and looking for – how they're not just spending their money on clothes and just for you know – they're not so boxed in. They actually want to explore the world and see things. If you if you make them spend all their money on one part of anything, of any part of their experience, I think that that's, that makes that um, – Uh, doesn't, it's not talking truthfully to them. And right, especially if you look at a younger generation, there's no way a younger generation can afford a $2,000 pair of pants or a $1,000 pair of pants. And, And that makes, and even no matter how beautiful they are. So I think if you're not, if you're not always communicating, fashion is always supposed to be about this fun thing about It's it's ageless. It can be about multiple people. But even as you get older, you start spending your money in different ways. So if you still want people to connect with fashion and go after fashion, and I've thought this for years, I think that it, it has to... It has to touch them in a special way. But if all if all fashion, everything you see on the runway is a thousand dollars or more, where's the relevancy? Where's mm. the the excitement? How does it connect with more than just one percent of the population? Um, as we see this this divide in America with wealth and and everyone else, that's what fashion's supposed to be. We're supposed to embrace what society is. We're not supposed to be. We're not supposed to put blinders on and say, well, I want it this way because that's the way it was in 1920 when <laughs> Chanel was alive, right? And that's stupid as shit. But, the, but <laughs> if you're not, I mean, if you're not really focused on on what fashion is, fashion should be a part of people's lives today. How are people dressing today? And, and you can take COVID out of it or you can put it into it, but I think this has been happening for years. And I think that's why the fashion industry hit this brick wall and, and doesn't know how to get over it. Connecting, I mean, being the last people in the world to sort of embrace digital and still having people go to fashion shows and sit in seats and watch people walk back and forth. How stupid is that? I mean, (laughs) honestly... It's like it's like a movie. It's like the, the movie industry even caught up a bit. I mean, they still want you to go to the damn movie theater to see everything. Why can't I sit at home and watch it? I could get into that too. But, <laughs> but you know, it took the music industry was the other one. Like all these industries hit have not embraced the technology and digital world. I mean, you mm. go to shows now and everybody's sitting there with their phone up taking video of it, not experiencing it, not enjoying it. So why still do it? Why aren't they making digital films that people can buy from and get connected with? Why aren't we thinking completely different? But no, everybody's worried about doing a damn show. Boring (laughs) as hell. And it's made for like, you got me on a riff, but it's made for like like a zero percent of the the, the world Um, instead of all the people who get so excited about fashion who don't get to experience it. I mean, if you're going to do a show, do it for people, have it be travel around the country and do it live, do something, but make it different. I mean, sitting around having fashion week and talking about this, the, the, the stupidity of that is, it just blows me away for years now. But th- that I think is, is um, it's just how I see the world. And so when we talk about how do you stay relevant, I see so many people not being relevant because they, their ego tells them, well, I want to be like Coco Chanel and do a fashion show. Yeah, really? I mean, seriously, how long have they we've been doing that? And it's it's it makes absolutely no sense. And the amount of money you spend on that, and it's just an ego trip. Um, mm. And even for the big brands, it's stupid. I mean, honestly, and and it's no way to communicate what clothes are really about, and how to get people connected with, it and how to really move fashion forward. And you're seeing it. I mean, you're seeing Neiman Marcus. You're seeing. Look at New York, and look at all the stores they're pulling out of New York City, the fashion capital of America. That's amazing. But look at them across the country. And they're all scrambling to try to figure out how to be relevant. And so they're putting coffee shops in their stores thinking that that's going to do it. Again, (laughs) how stupid is that? you if you're you really have to i mean the whole industry really has to figure out how to connect with people where they are and and great musicians do it and and you know they don't release musicians don't release albums they release a song i mean yeah. releasing this big collection of all these clothes that nobody needs and that's not even going to the. that we'll get into the sustainable part but <laughs> fashion is such a disaster that way i mean why not make something that people really care about? Make one thing, make something really special uh, but instead of a collection and making you know making it five or six times a year. Who needs all that clothing and who needs right. seasons again when was, are you, do you go, do you go in and swoop out all your wardrobe and swoop in your spring wardrobe, then swoop out the spring and put in summer <laughs> and then swoop out summer and put in fall? I mean I see, do that with is? sweaters, that's about it, yeah. <laughs> Yeah, because they're too hot, so you stick them up. But on yeah. cold nights in the summer, I grab my sweater. Like, and my True. sweater's not – I don't have any sweaters that are so warm that I couldn't put them on to walk on the beach. But that's how – that's modern, how the world's dressing. And so this disconnect between between people and society and what fashion's doing – over and over, I think is 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 what why I said at the beginning. They're not re- it's not relevant, um, and you don't see a lot of people stepping out and having a bigger conversation about. Um, where society is, and how can fashion get exciting in that that point? And it's not copying, like you know, you see everybody, oh, well, then I'm going to launch an e-commerce site. Really, e-commerce <laughs> has been around a long time now, and and it's it's kind of stupid, also. And but, but but and it works, but you have to even go further than that. Where's the story? Where's the experience? Where how are you connecting with humans? Um, so there's so much to do, and and I think that's what Zooming all the back around to your original question, that's what excites me about where I'm at and what I'm doing. Always is because I've always tried to be curious about what's around the corner, and then right. letting go of the past um, and letting go of old ideas. It's, it sounds like first off,
0: thank you for that beautiful, um, you know, rant <laughs> tirade. <per> <laughs> no, well, sh- <laughs> sure, but no, because it's very it's very refreshing, and I think there's a lot of things that have seeped its way into fashion and the, the classes and the elitism and all those things. Yeah. Um, but from, from listening to you, it really sounds like there's, you've done some deep processing about your own career and journey and, and what you've learned from it. But I mean, to jump way, way back, you know, cause you're someone who has like many designers who has really kind of gone through, um, you know, you had a, you had a formal education in design. Like wh- where did yeah. all of this stuff start at the very beginning? I mean, we don't have to yeah. get into like, oh, I was raised here and done that. but no, like, I was, I was
1: brought up on clothes and I <laughs> yeah. ate the buttons for when I was two. <laughs> no, um, you know, for me, it's, I guess that's, I got into this at a very young age because I surfed. And I where, surfed where in were you in uh, oh, Southern California and in, in Newport Beach and, My beaches were Newport and Huntington and then San Clemente and all the way south. It was awesome. And, and it was, um, it was a time that, um, you know, there was a small company called Quicksilver that was really that I thought was like the coolest company. And OP was like the big company. Everybody wore ocean Pacific and, um, uh, so th- it was all these amazing uh, brands around, but I got into for some weird thing. Something about me clicked because I like to make things, and I started making surf trunks for all my friends. Um, and then I started making them for everybody in the school, and that was my gig. That was I like sewing um, them. Yeah, and I was like the only kid, boy in um, uh, home ec that took home ec, and the, I remember they had all the they all freaked a little bit like. Boys don't take home ec. It's Just to go to a wood shop. Um, right. I said I want to do that too, but um, but the um, but it was just really about learning how to make things. And so I learned how to make patterns and learned how to sew. Um, and I had this really cool business, which was a like really modern um, that I would go and buy remnants of fabric from. Really cheap from uh, fabric uh, fabric stores, and so just like a, a few yards, it'd be all these different prints and patterns, and it had to be prints and patterns and wild stuff. And then I'd make shorts. I only made one size for boys and girls. Okay, <laughs> so I was I was gender neutral way before <laughs> it was all cool. And I uh, because I didn't know how to make sizing and patterns, so everyone got the same size. I'm sure it was a problem for different weights but that wasn't my issue <laughs> and then i would pre-sell them to everyone like you had to pay me first and then the next day i would i would sell them overnight and then bring them to school i'd bring them in this big bag and so if you saw me first like if you were the first kid that saw me you had the choice of the whole bag like whichever one you want because they were all different was wait none. how old are you so, like 14 14 15 what did your I parents think of this mm, i don't know they never say anything or they did <laughs> i didn't listen um <laughs> which is very me. There and was Patrick so, with that bag of clothes again. <laughs> yeah, no, it was, it was very cool. And but if you were the last kid that saw me, so if you got last period and you were tied up, and you, there was one left, and that was yours. <laughs> so, <laughs> so you wanted to be the first kid. But that was that was the first way I got into fashion. And then um, I was going to be a doctor. I thought my father was a doctor, and I said, "Oh, he wants me to be a doctor." And it was like, you know, young kid, you gotta be follow your parents. But then they did this video. They did this um those, you know, those videos where they show you all the different careers you can have. They used to do this in my day. You're too young, but sure. They used you use, no, it wasn't even video, it was probably you know a film. Slideshow or, or something. A reel, probably a slideshow or yeah. a reel of film. That they've okay. strung through a projector and played. But they they played this. They played this. It was, it was um all these different careers and they got the fashion. And I remember they showed like Calvin Klein and Jeffrey Banks and, um, someone else. And, and I went, Oh, I can do that. I'm doing it now. I mean, how hard could that be? (laughs) 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 And something about that clicked. And I sort of fell in love, um, uh, because another one of my loves has always been, um, and I think it's a, a lot of frustrated designers have this, is architecture. And so I had that love, because you have a love for space. I really have a love for how people move in space and how spaces um, work. And, and I also have a fascination with how people look in spaces. Mm. Um, and that that that's just a crazy thing that I have in my head, the beautiful spaces and how things look. So um i always knew I, I knew i wanted to do something creative i knew i just i the big part was breaking it from. i don't need to go into all this but breaking it from my telling my dad i was not gonna be a doctor and he was like thank god like why did you ever want to do that wait wait um, really so that, yeah, that's a very guess, rare
0: thing i just want to call that out that like especially when you do a pivot so hard the other direction yeah you don't yeah, always no, I was get like, the parental I'm, support
1: yeah, no, I I applied to medical schools or pre-med and, and mm-hmm. got into some schools, but I applied to Parsons and got into Parsons. And I, so when I got the uh, Parsons thing is when I told him. What, and I remember he was uh, in the kitchen cooking, and I came in and said, you know, I have something I need to tell you. Like, I don't want to be a doctor. I really want to go and be a creative and an artist and do, do design. And he was like, I remember he just turned around and went, like, thank God, because I was never going to tell you, but um, nobody should be a doctor right now because it's all being controlled by uh, 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 health care. And it's gone so far away from you to being a doctor and, and moving through and really helping people. Um, and he goes, you, you've always been creative. It never seemed like the thing that you should go, that you wanted to do, but – I'm not the he's he wasn't the guy that like set me on the path even though I thought he was that guy Mm. Um, in which it was awesome it was one of our best moments together Um, but then I I moved to New York and next thing I knew I was in New York at and going to Parsons at a very young age and um, my dad and I had a Deal where you know he would pay tuition and books and and even the dorm, but I really had to figure out a job um, while I was going through college,
0: mm-hmm. and that
1: was probably one of the best things that he did for me because I. Um, I quickly start getting jobs, and well, I had multiple jobs. At one point, I had like four. I was making jewelry at night, so I was like a person who'd go home at night and make jewelry, and then you get paid by the piece, and that would buy my popcorn for dinner because that's usually all I could afford. And <laughs> the, um, uh, and I worked in the dean's office, which was fun, but didn't really pay anything. And then. I uh, started being an intern for different uh, companies from Mm -hmm. uh, small companies to all the way to Albert Nippon, which was a dress company at that point. Um, And but because of that, I kept getting more and more experience. I kept getting more and more experience as an intern. Then I became an assistant while I was in school for a company. And, And by the time I got out of school, like six months after I got out um, I started working for someone as their assistant, and I took the, I, the company hired me to take their job. And mm. so I was a designer. I was a designer, um, working designer at like, the, what was it, like twenty two years old? And wow. Two years later, I was hired by Giorgio Armani to move to Milan and and run one of his businesses as the big creative flex director. right there. That yeah, is yeah. So yeah. it was really cool, and and that's really where I learned my craft. I mean, Armani taught me. He was a, this was a long time. It was in the 90s. He was king of the world. And, um, and I don't think Tom had gone to Gucci yet. It was still like him and, uh, him and Gianni Gianni Versace. Gianni was still alive and they were like the kings of Milan. And, Mm -hmm. um, but Armani really taught me, you know, what's fascinating about him is he's, he runs his business, so he's the CEO of his business, and he's the head designer of his business, and he truly designs his clothes. Like He still is like, I, I haven't seen him in a couple of years, but he's, when I worked for him, I mean, we would sit in the room, it'd just be him and I, and I would have to present my full collection to him, and um, and every sketch I did, every fabric appointment I did, everything I did, I traveled to every showroom and showed it to all the top um, brass from every store, and um, and I turned one of his businesses from something he wanted to close and Five years later, it was the best selling collection in every department store in the world. Um, So then I got hired over and over and over for the rest of my career to fix people's problems. Um, Uh So every time there was a broken company, all the way to Gap, to Anne Klein, to Perry Ellis, to Paco Rabanne, when they were broken, they would call me and fix them. So I'd go and fix them and then they would get sick of me because I'm a pain in the ass because I keep wanting you to get better and better and better and better. Um, And then they would throw me out and I'd go do the next one. And so I spent my career really helping people turn their businesses around um but all of that really the armani gig really taught me how to think that way how to think like a business person with um and be creative at the same time because this is a business at the end of the day i I think a lot of people miss that point Mm. they start talking about art and and um they forget that this this can be highly creative and and completely creative, but if you don't have a business sense, you're gonna fail um, mm. and you see so many so much talent out there who doesn't don't have a business sense, and that's why people need um, a business partner um, right. usually at their 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 side and um, I was very fortunate that I learned how to be have both of those my mind works that way that I have both of those. Um, capabilities. I, I I can see a business strategy very clearly. That's why I could fix people's businesses. I see around corners, and I can see where society w- wants products, and I can see different price points. And I can understand um, how to communicate that through marketing and conversation to get people excited about product, right? Um, and at the same time, make the product that they're going to get excited about. So that's that's my. Really quick, my sort of no, background.
0: No, I mean that's that's incredible. I, what what was the Milan experience like in terms of the culture shock when you're going from yeah. New York, you know, young designer to now like you're working with the designer?
1: Yeah, it was it was hard. Um, I didn't speak a word of Italian. <laughs> um, um, Armani refused to speak English to me. And so, to force me to speak Italian. Um, and he's tough. He's a tough guy. You're and, just like, questo, questo over and over again. <laughs> yeah, yeah. The, and so, you just learned. And a lot of our communication, though, at the early stages was, um, uh, well, it was through what I, through design. So, mm. it was through fabric and design and the way we were fitting and the way we would communicate was that. But he would get pissed off at me a lot and start. Wanting to hit me over the head because <laughs> I was I I was a very I was very clear on the direction I wanted the brand to go the what I wanted to do but I really I did embrace everything that he was it, I wasn't trying to make the Patrick show I was making mm. the Armani show um but I had a very clear idea what the problem was and and clearly took it to a whole different place and it was just really the whole trick was just making it more him making mm. it more and more him to the point where he would get pissed off that. Because I did this the second line where he designed the first one, the black label. I designed white label. And he would get pissed off that it was too close to black label. <laughs> but, or that there were ideas that should have been in black label and not in white label. But that was the cool part. That's when I knew I was on on the right, the right doing pushing the right buttons. Right.
0: And did you have anyone else that's kind of mentoring you through this?
1: No. Or was it just him? No. Yeah, it was just really him. Um, It was it was a lonely time in my life because Mm -hmm. I spent uh, a little bit over five years there. And um, I worked, I think, uh, close to seven days a week because I had to work in the part of the job was to work in. uh, There was a big factory called GFT at that time. I don't think they exist anymore, Um, but they were the big manufacturer and. Uh, part of, they were based in Torino, so I had an apartment in Torino, an apartment in Milan, and I'd go back and forth, back and forth, because whenever we were making samples or any of that things, I was in the factory really pushing people to, to see uh, our craft, to see what I wanted to do in a different way, and really making them— Get better at what they were doing, um, and they hated me um, because <laughs> I I didn't speak English, but I had like demand I could demand things and 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 really challenge them to to move forward, and they wanted to do it the way they had always been doing it, um, mm-hmm. but that wasn't working. They were failing. It's so amazing when people do that they get caught and well I've always done it this way, so that's the way I'm going to do it, and it's like you know, that's never going to work. Like it, it hasn't worked now. It hasn't worked in the past. hasn't worked for 10 years, but you still want to do it that way. Um, so that was a fascinating, but I found it, it was where I look back. I can't stand Milan now. I mean, I, I, I was so happy when I got on the plane when I was hired and I flew out of Milan and for the last the trip home back to New York, I was so happy. I still remember it and I cannot bear the city. I I love Italy. My father lives in Italy now. Um but I really don't like that place. Um uh, Is it just the memories depre- there? No, it's a depressing city. I mean, people like it, but I just find it small and and um and and Italians are going to hate me for this, but provincial. <laughs> and but mm. it is. It's it's and it's very in it's very closed. Those uh, northern Italians are very uh, – those those big doors that they have up in front of every building, that's how they are. They're very warm if you're invited in on the inside of those doors, and they're very – but I was never invited in. Um, mm. Why <laughs> so was that? I found that very – I don't know. I don't know. But I just – probably because i was too busy and always working and i mean i was just always working always 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 it was it was it wasn't like i had a staff and that it was really interesting because he didn't have that he didn't have like he didn't have big staffs of people it was very tight it was very him and you and um so you you know you were the person who went to every fabric appointment and traveled all over italy picking fabrics and I was sketching at night and um, there were always short windows get And then you would meet with him and do every fitting and then create the whole collection together. And and, um, it was, it was nonstop, but it really was, it was a beautiful time um, because it was true, true focusing on the craft of all of it. Um, And then when I wasn't doing that, as soon as the collection was done, I'd have to travel to Germany and all over Italy and, uh, London and New York and all over to uh, meet with all those stores to talk about what the collection was.
0: Jeez. And so you eventually come back and, you know, you had a slew of other jobs, but I think many people know you from your time at Gap. Yeah. And I, yeah. And I know that, you know, the stuff that you had done at Gap, you know, from, from what you've discussed with Vogue and a few other people, you kind of had this epiphany in terms of the the big pivot to, re you know reframing fashion and the environmental impact like
1: what was that like well that started there because i i started seeing i mean the company was so was 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 and is in turmoil i you start seeing that the world was moving towards and consumers right you always follow the consumer they were moving towards having conversations about about even their food right their values on food was changing and you saw uh, mm. the the back to table the farm to table um, where organic became big um you saw people talking about farming and how mm. the impact of that so you knew that society was moving there and, and clothes was still holding out like it always does the last <laughs> one to join the party um and so but the, <laughs> but the the gap was was fascinating um for me because it was such i, I did I had design teams in three on three countries so J- tokyo japan uh London, and new york mm-hmm. um and so I traveled between those constantly and and they all had different opinions about it. it. Was really hard to get the teams to sort of focus on the same path because it was three different presidents. And I think I reported to at one time to all of them. Um, oh wow! Which was and they none of them liked each other. They hated each other. Um, but it was it was truly trying to get trying to get a brand to sort of see around, see what was coming next. And to Mm. to forget about the past, and 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 forget about Mickey Drexler, right? Mickey wasn't there anymore. Yeah. yeah. Um, And I, I used when I met Mickey, I told him like he needed to get his ghost out of Gap because it was driving (laughs) me crazy. What did he say? Everybody had. He thought it was funny, and we became friends because he didn't know what I was going to say to him. But um, (laughs) and, and. but it, but it was but it was too much. And that was the problem, right? He was so successful there. And he had picked the whole staff and picked all the senior management. Um, and they were so caught up on this is the way Mickey would have done it. And Mickey did it this way. It's like, who gives a damn? Like, it doesn't work anymore. Right. right. And the world's moved on. Like, you can't have a dancing khaki anymore. But everybody had that vision that they are going to bring that back. And that trips up a company, right? That messes up people. Because um, it's what we were talking about with fashion before, about um, it being complicated. Caught up about, you know, make fun of Coco Chanel again, about like making Coco Chanel shows like her walking down the stairs and hiding. Like that's what people still want to do. And it's not relevant. It doesn't move. Mm. It's not gonna move the needle, no matter how much you wanna recreate that. There are lots of watches out there, and maybe you're just starting to get into them, or you're ready to add your tenth
0: watch to your case i've been a fan of topper jewelers for everything in the watch world look i know enough to be dangerous and topper is a great place to nurture my knowledge and help connect me deeper into watches topper is family owned and operated for three generations and are an authorized watch dealer for premium swiss and japanese watches from omega grand seiko moser longines and more they sell the watch you can afford now and the watch you'll buy in the future it's all through topper Topper also specializes in pre-owned watches and they carry a deep selection of references from Rolex, Tudor, Breitling, and many, many more. And that selection changes every week. If you're subscribed to Topper's email newsletter, you'll get access to four secret additions to their pre-owned drop every Friday morning. You get first right of refusal on the hottest offerings of the season. Visit topperjewelers.com to shop subscribe and join topper's very own watch fam that's t-o-p-p-e-r jewelers.com topperjewelers.com
1: um, so it, it was an interesting time and, and I'm, pr- I'm really happy with it i mean I would say that wasn't really a job where I was designing. I mean, I had massive design teams that were super talented and my job really was to manage the flow of that and to really put, think of it from a marketing standpoint and really push the design through a marketing channel to communicate with the customer where we were going and really keep everybody on point and trying to steer this, this massive group of people into a vision um, was really what my job was. And I, um, I actually at the end of it that became sad for me because I had left. I really left the creative part to really become the the business manager of the creative of Gap and really moving that that conversation forward. And I, I'm really proud of what we did. I think some of the um, we changed the the all the denim. I, the stock price changed because of me um, and my team because we were able to. Um, Put some really amazing products for it, and the the designers that worked with me were, I mean, the top. They were the best, and I still ran to them. and I see them doing other things now all over the world, and they're really incredible. But I mean, the design team it was probably close to seventy people. That's probably just in New York, Um, and then there was you know another thirty in both other countries, and so it was big. And that's just the design. That's not the yeah the the support of design the fabric the 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 tech people all of them and they it gets i mean the office in New York was massive um but it was this incredible opportunity to steer a big ship and to really make a difference and i'm I'm really proud of it and it was it was also when we talk about my career it was the thing next I wanted to do which was um, um, move like after doing you know Armani or Anne Klein or Paco or something else—they were all um, sort of the same story. And this mm. was such. This was more mass and and such an interesting um, conversation to have because I, you, what you did showed up across, like showed up massively when I did it, and it really—if it worked, it worked; if it failed, it really failed. But mm. we did a lot of good. I mean, really did a lot of good. It's just at the end, it was. Uh, uh i i ran into a bunch of i've never said this before publicly but there were just we i didn't get along with who was the uh the last that last ceo uh uh art peck who, who sort of like stabbed me in the back and um the rest of and and a bunch of other uh of the management decided that they needed a fall guy for their own mistakes and they they blew it because um uh they they never fixed it after that and they just sort of spun their will and, and destroyed mm. the company more because they are egos, you know, they're people who um and they were this. They they really saw they were like those career people who steered their way through a corporate environment and kept their head down and sort of, I was one of those people who I'm always been that person. You can tell I'm, I'm, I'm forceful. I believe in things. I go after things. I do things. And I'm I'm not the kind of, I'm not going to sit in the office and, and, and tell people that they're doing a good job if they're not. And I don't think they did. And we got into that argument several times and then they, they found an excuse to throw me out. Best Mm. thing that probably happened to me. Yeah, yeah. It was the weight of the. I was at that point. I was carrying. I really felt like I was carrying the weight of my, the world through the company, mm-hmm. and I wasn't getting the 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 top management. Me, I was part of the top management. I really wasn't getting along with them. They weren't getting along with me. Um, I felt that there was a a lot of uh, it was negative, and their uh, they wanted to do nothing. Um and I wanted to see if we could push ourselves to a new place. Mm. Um, and then I, you know, you're actually the first person I've ever said that to because I've never actually talked about it before. Um, even though they all talked about it, it, made up a, they pretty much called me every nasty name that they could in the press. Mm. Um, and the it was it was a hurtful time. I'm sorry, um, in that sense. Ah, but you know, that's part of it. If you're going, but no, it's true. If you're going to lie down with the the wrong people, if you get into the wrong situations, and that wasn't everyone. I mean, before them, I really got along with the CEO before that, and I got along with the the, the Fisher family. I admire so much, and Don Fisher was I really had an amazing time with him and some of the other presidents that worked before they left because what happened was it was a different crowd at the end right um um, but i really i i liked the board i met a lot with the board and i really admired the board i think i had great relationship with them and i think that's why i stayed around so long i was the longest serving creative director for the gap i think i still am
0: which is um, is mind-boggling to me but when i look at a lot of other companies especially companies that are as big and as impactful in terms of all the different demographic and, and socioeconomic you know levels of, of so many folks that you you know while your story is heartbreaking it's also unfortunately not too unique in the sense that yeah. so many of these uh, creatives and, and and creative directors a lot of times these companies whatever maybe it's dictated by stock or some crude form of capitalism which maybe is capitalism itself but it's another story but just like it it turns into all right let's just reset and everyone's gone yeah. let's just reset you know
1: yeah hundred percent and you know what the the thing is it's the it's the it's a way for people to hide behind the creative Right. Mm-hmm. Um, because as I said before, this is an industry where it's creative and business and they go side by side. And what the business side sometimes does in those situations is they look at the creative, and say, oh, we'll get rid of them. Nobody will notice that I'm like a blo- I'm like a dumbo. Um, <laughs> and mm-hmm. that happens over and over Um and you see it across anyone who's been in that position knows it. You, you're you're the first fall guy because you're the easier one to deal with. Um, and unfortunately, what you see from a company like that is it usually tilts the wrong way, and it 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 it, it sometimes doesn't recover from that.
0: Mm-hmm. Um,
1: there needs to be a partnership because life is all cycles, and so is business. And you go through cycles of what things are. Um, uh, you need to be able to understand those cycles and. and st- Steer back when you're when you're not in fashion, and move forward when you are.
0: Right, and on that note, I mean, so to talk about poshco, and by the way, yeah. am I
1: pronounced? Is it posh or Pas- Posh? Yeah, you can call it anything you want. It's Pasco. <laughs> oh, pasco. Um, I call it Pasco, and I've heard okay. people. I like. I like the way some people say pa, uh, they call it Pas Pas Pasco, but I think the K is is loud. So it's an old it's an old Greek word, and yeah. so I I had. To, I don't speak Greek, so I had to learn it myself. But it it's a really cool word because it came to me. Um, I don't know how it just sort of showed up when I was thinking of what I wanted to name it because I started thinking. I actually thought that naming it like Patrick Robinson the brand sounded mm-hmm. old. It didn't sound modern anymore because you started looking at it was you know when i launched this I was looking around and you start you looked at like Google right and you looked at you looked at interesting brands that were that were popping up uh uh yeah, uh, things that weren't called people's names. Companies like ambiguous Striper, names or, or, and things like that. Yeah, they they yeah. were like interesting names. Even Nike, Nike, Nike. See, I don't even know how to say that. But <laughs> but all of but all of those, like I thought that was super cool. Like Apple, he didn't name it Steve Jobs. Like right, right. And I think that I, there was something cool about doing that because I think sometimes calling things your name, sort of, I don't know. It sounded especially since we wanted to be in the the only the digital space. Um, I thought that was sort of cool, but it came in the word meant um, uh, uh, it means passion, but it doesn't mean like passion, like, Oh, I'm passionate for peanut butter. It means like, it means that passion. Like if you're really in love with something, if you're really in love with someone, it's going to be painful at times. And it's going to be, you know, thrilling like enlightenment at times Mm. and you're going to go through those ups and downs and that's what passion truly means because the greeks can't do anything unless it has like you know depth to it so this had that 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 word really means like greeks come to me and they're like greeks you know that means like you know pain and suffering and i'm like yeah it also means enlightenment dude then they're like yeah but pain and suffering (laughs) i'm like yeah but you can't have one without the other without knowing and that's what pasco means um it's really this it's it's what we talk about it was um the word passion can get overused but it's this beautiful thought that um um, and people kept asking me uh, when I left gap, "Where are you going to go do next? Where are you going to do next? And I, I kept have people just shut up. I kept saying, no, I'm going to do something I'm passionate about. And you know, what can you say to that? You're like, oh yeah, that sounds, yeah." I'll leave them alone. Um, <laughs> but that, and that's the word sort of came from all of that, of that conversation I was having with myself, but it's been, you know, uh, it's, it's a interesting, I mean, we, I started it then, yeah. um, yeah. I took like a year or so off after Gap and traveled a lot, but i I um started thinking about what I wanted to do for the next ten years of my life and one of the things that jumped out was i um I wanted to see if I could have a conversation with people about consumer products and I started this conversation at Gap when we relaunched in them, and we thought about i I went and then really thought how we could make. Denim in a more sustainable way, especially for a big brand like The Gap, right? And right. That Because they were, they were making denim and, and downstream of these factories, it was all blue, indigo water, and the water was really dirty. And one of the things that we set up was we made the water that came in, the dirty water that came into these places to wash the dam and, and stonewash them. When it left, it was cleaner than when it came in. And that was a huge accomplishment for the gap. Um, and really, a, a really strong production. People made that happen. Um, but I started communicating that. I thought it was an amazing story. We wrote down the inside of the jeans, we printed on the pockets and people connected with it. You know, it was a $69 gene and people really got that 59, 49, yeah. um, all those prices. And, we and we started making them like premium and but we used we were really thinking about being sustainable and so i knew there was a path there i knew there was there was something that was connecting and pascal was even more of this conversation of could we make a responsible product um hmm. and with you know could we change the waste could, could we talk about the, all the dyes and the nastiness and all the stuff that I was really responsible for throughout my career of working for all these companies, of making way too many clothes that nobody needed? Um, and could we make less? And could we focus? Could we, could we make a couple of things that were really meaningful? And could we change? I, we started seeing this conversation about clothes that – and this was – I'm a backpacker, so I sort mm-hmm. of got this idea – Answer the idea on the backpacking trip when I went away and I only wore, you know, I took a pair of shorts, a hat and two T-shirts for 18 days in the back of Yosemite. Um, And I started thinking, like, you know, there's a statistic out there that um, in your closet right now, you only wear 20% of the clothes. Of So the other 80 just sit in your closet. That's and true. That's true in my closet yeah, right no, it's now. True, it's true across it, – it's a statistic across America. But to make that other 80% of clothes makes fashion, uh, you know, third the, the third or second – let's call it the third because I don't have the right – Nobody hold uh, me. Too it's, up, I know it's way
0: up there. Yeah, yeah Maurizio Donati Yeah, yeah, talks yeah. about yeah. that a ton.
1: Biggest, biggest polluter. So you, if we're creating, if we're buying and creating eighty percent of these clothes, because we really only wear the comfortable clothes, and we really our lives are really comfortable. Like talking again about why nobody needs, you know, nuttiness. That there's a there's a real. That if you're going to talk about the way of society and the way America is living, America keeps getting more and more comfortable with the way that we dress. And we've been doing that. You know, we've been on this slope for years and the rest of the world follows us. But we've, you know, when I was a kid, you couldn't wear denim to a wedding. You couldn't wear denim to a restaurant. You couldn't walk into a hotel with denim. Um, But now you can. You can go even further. You can wear, you know, Pasco, which is more um, uh, uh, somewhere between – technical athleisure and and sort of fashion mm. and um that was so we we create something to say could you wear some could we make clothes that you could climb a mountain in but also wear it wear out to the most expensive restaurant in new york and really look good and that's what pasco that was our mission because what we want to do is get you to narrow that closet down could we make only the 20 percent of your closet was our goal and really focused on that and then you know we 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 didn't buy fabrics for the first year. We went in into factories mm. and used all, all this fabric that was going to end up in landfills. And that was – even this shirt is an old Pasco shirt, but it was a fabric that was going to end up, up in a landfill. Um Could we could we never use plastic in any part of our supply chain? So most times, every company does this. You're from your factory to your warehouse, you ship it, and you you know you've seen the poly bags over clothes, and they get shipped with the plastic hanger and all that, and it gets there, and everybody throws that away. We don't do that. The stuff that the the packaging that leaves our our manufacturer is what you get as the customer. It never changes. And could we start getting rid of, you know, so we started looking at all the the components and, and even when we started buying fabrics, we bought them and they were all blue sign approved, which is a Swiss company that comes in to make sure everybody's paid a fair wage all the way through it. There's no X, none of those chemicals that cause, you know, there's dyes that call our carcinogens. So we didn't have any of that and really started thinking about it all. And, and now the, you know, there's a big conversation about there's a lot of brands out there being very responsible in that sense. And it's, it's, it's amazing. And, um, I, I I use the word responsible. I don't I don't really jump into that word sustainable because I don't believe fashion is sustainable. Yeah. Um. Someone told but, me
0: sustainability is just not existing with fashion,
1: and I'm like, well, no, it's okay. not. Yeah, it's yeah, it's it's really hard because even if you talk about people go, oh, but I use organic cotton. Ooh, yeah. Well, organic cotton uses more water than you know it's it's insane, and most of it's the way it's farmed that there's there's still countries they're treating it like slavery the way that they farm uh, Uh. um and i we won't get into countries so we don't get you know have countries coming after us but we'll (laughs) leave that alone but if you look into that there's it needs a lot of work it needs a lot of work um and but we the world wears cotton so Hmm. um where was i so we did all that and but what's and i'm going to answer your next i'm going to ask you, i'm going to answer your next question for you because i don't like to let you talk. Um, no, you're <laughs> fine.
0: This is great. But, Trust me, i'm into it.
1: But, but what what was interesting, right? We we we've had this we've more than doubled 300% growth year over year and we've been growing really well and really connected with the consumer and really tied in and have, you know, a high repeat customer rate of almost 59% and still growing really well. Covid comes along. right? Right. And we're looking at this year as being the year we're going for all these great things. And um, but strictly an e-commerce brand. And COVID comes along, and sort of knocks us back a little bit, like it knocked everyone back. And yeah. so we get some time to sort of think, and I get some time to think. And through it, I start seeing some I like all of us, I start seeing unemployed people i just start seeing unemployment rates like we all did month after week after week month after month right just shooting up and and sort of heartbreaking and then you start piece the lines for the food banks just breaking your heart um having stories about kids and and families who don't have enough to eat just breaking my heart and and then i as a black man i have to watch floyd die right and i've watched so many people die but i've spent my life you know I've been we've gone through it right I've been very successful but I've 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 spent my life as a successful black man still dealing with racism from when I was back to 14 13 I've dealt with things that are um that are hard you know I I, I had a, a my first girlfriend um her father came home when we were sitting watching TV when I was 13 14 and um uh, threw me out of their house while calling me every dirty name that you can call a black person. And his anger, his, his, I mean, his pure rage just broke my heart. And I remember walking home, thinking to myself, I'm, I'm going to be the, I'm going to prove that I'm going to be the man that you would want your daughter to marry, that I'm going to be the man that, you know, that you want my, be my friend, that you're going to do this, like all Mm. these things. And I sort of sat on that path and, and, and it's not the right path. No one should have to go and prove all those things, right? It took me a long time to figure that out. But um, your the rage, that kind of rage broke my heart. And, and I, I started seeing it over and over and over and every year and everywhere I went and over and over all the way to today. I, I get pulled over now for no reason. Um, and then get asked, like everybody showed, the, you know, having my young son in the car, I'm um, sitting in the back and, and they want to see his I.D., like, really? Like, but you can't say anything, right? Because I, I'm trying to show my son that he can't show and talk back to the police because I don't want him as a fatality. But that's not the world that we should be living in. So all I could go on and on. I mean, I go to the stores and I'm still followed around. I mean, I, and, and I can't afford to buy it all, but that doesn't matter. So I've been under, you know, devalued in that sense. So I, I started seeing all this, but but Floyd broke it all open for me, and something about the way I started this company—and it comes back to Pasco—was um, it was about it was about the potential of what we could think about consumer products. But it wasn't enough without a social cause. That's not enough. It, for me, it, it, it I felt like I at that moment I, just, I remember sitting there and going. You you haven't done it. You haven't like you can't just sit and talk about the environment if you're not talking about a social cause. You can't sit around and talk about that you're going to be responsible, but you're not going you're not going to dive in and and make a change here. And so we we switched. And this was you know June and this was June when all this started hitting me like yeah. all of us. And we launched. We I pulled my team together and I had this idea that we were going to stop manufacturing in Asia and we were going to move all of our ma- our, our production into communities into the U S and we were going to all these unemployed seamstresses and tailors and pattern makers and technicians. We were going to um, work with them at home and we were going to have them make all of our production. And we saw that we were, we, and it's, 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 it became like this, this thing. And we, we launched it July 11th. Like we launched it in two weeks after I, them. And um, we came up with the idea, and customers pre-ordered it, mm-hmm. so we knew we were back to the original
0: started, swimsuit day.
1: Back to yeah, you better get it first. <laughs> um, but, but we, but we, we launched this, and people connected with it, and started really started gaining more and more momentum, and. We then started getting calls and and people wanting us to work in different communities from from uh, South Carolina to Alabama to Detroit mm. to California. But we decided to start first um, this first one in the tri-state area, so we could be close to it. We could make sure that we were standing up. And there was, you know, there's um, so many people that 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 could value this, the would have value from our work. Um, and we were lucky we, we connected quickly with this, this group that was making PPE in New York. Yeah. yeah. And it, um, they were called the skilled laborers brigade. Uh, The skilled—it was three amazing women who started this. uh, uh, Four people, also a man. I never give him credit. Poor thing. (laughs) There's four of them. Um, (laughs) It's a tough world, Um, (laughs) but but the four of them started this. This what they call the skilled laborers' brigade, and we've connected with them in the Tri-State area, and they had a group of five hundred plus seamstresses and tailors and pattern makers who have been making PPE. Um, hmm. and we connected with them and they're making they're they're the ones we're working with on this first the, this first part, this first clothing that we're launching. Well we launched it. it it'll start shipping to customers um October I would say be- beginning middle of October it'll be to all of the customers who pre-ordered it and they will just be stock and we'll keep rolling and we're t- we're looking at this completely different. We're building a platform. We're thinking about using technology and automation in a whole different way. We're building right. a platform where um, one of the things you see with all these people that we've we've connected with is that they they don't see. They don't understand generational wealth because they've been devalued and disregarded. So they can't see that they're going to have employment over and over because they're the first thrown out right they're always our workers or the people who make things in this in the world and in the country we go talk about the world that's another heartbreaking story but we're just dealing with america um they're the first to to lose their their employment they're the first that get cut they're the first that a factory closes everybody we've seen this story over and over and over right um and these are these are the amazing craft people. I mean, what we're doing is not a charity. We, we're what we want to do is highlight the value that crafts these makers, as I call them, have. So. I mean, we, we're going to introduce you to them. We're going to show them to you. If you buy something, you're going to know exactly who made it. They actually sign the piece of clothing. Um, we built labels that they do that. But you'll have a, you'll know, you know like Marianne made this for me, or Bob made this for me, or whoever their name is. Mm-hmm. Um, and you'll be able to reconnect with them if you have an issue, if you need something corrected, if you need something fixed, you can connect with the person who made your products. And that's the technology that we're the platform that we've built and are building. Um, and there's going to be a rating system and you won't hear just from me that, you know, you won't hear from me that, oh, I did everything right, right? I'm right. perfect. Um, uh, instead, it'll be almost that, that, that Uber driver thing where the, 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 the people that we're hiring and bringing on to do all this work, they will grade the company. So they'll say, you know, that Patrick, he paid me a fair wage and, um, uh, he, uh, uh, really does believe in sustainable and all these fabrics are really great and blah blah blah. So you blah, see blah, other vendors
0: using this too, right? Yeah, is that, yeah. Is that we're what you're gonna saying? build okay.
1: we're gonna build a platform that and Pasco's the first through it, but that we're gonna build a platform where other brands can go through it and we're open to those brands coming through. Um Fascinating. and that'll be part of the the thing that we're building now. But it's changing that idea what the my my goal is that we stop we stop putting up walls between each of us that we stop th- disregarding each other that we understand where our consumer products come from and that they're made by real people, and that these people are like a doctor they're they have real craft and real meaning, and that you should you should think differently about your products. I'm back to that like you know the twenty percent that mm. It's not disposable. It's not fast, stupid fashion. It's not disposable. You should buy things that you love. And you should be able to buy them at a fair price and a good price. And you should be able to keep them. And you should be able to tell a story to yourself about how proud you are to wear it. And you should tell it to other people. Um, so it still has to be beautiful design and all the, the aspects of that. But it's really changing the conversation that we're going to have around consumer products. And we're really marching towards this as fast as we can. Um, I think the um, timing... Because-
0: that is perfect in the sense that, look, I'm not thankful for COVID in any way. So please don't no. hear me glorifying it. But there's a lot of things that are happening. I would say the millennial generation, you know, is aware. But now as a lot of millennials are starting to get cash, they're just like, whatever, I'm just going to do whatever I want. But the younger generation, you know, uh, people like my my little brother, may, uh, maybe like your, your, your son and stuff is... They they've seen so much turmoil and so much chaos from some of these things that they're everything that they look at. uh, They're being they're asking more of it and from it and wanting to know the entire story about that. I mean, my little brother, you know, who's was raised on buying things at H and M when he was you know really young and going to the mall, and now he's like, no way, man, I'm not going to touch that. Like, I don't know who made it, and I'm just like, wait, what? And in my mind, yeah, I had never thought of that until honestly until i got into like you know italian suiting and stuff that i thought about my relationship yeah. with an artisan and it's just that's great that you're also shifting that also away from something that is not a five thousand dollar suit entry point yeah. this is something that is more we have a tangible you can
1: buy a 98 eight dollar skirt from us you can buy a 108 eight dollar amazing pant from us yeah um that is uh, those are real prices and you know we We will continuously look how to make them even sharper and better so more people can join. Um, That is, it's, it's a different conversation we want to have. We want to have the conversation with you about, about, um, you know, well, if you step back, right. If you look at even my career, when I started in my career, I had this amazing thing, right. I could design something, make something and we photograph and make an ad. Mm -hmm. And we put that ad out there and, We want no conversation with you. You just bought it the way we told you to buy it. It was great times. Like we didn't have to have any customer talking (laughs) or views. Just buy what we tell you to buy. Like leave us alone. And then e-commerce comes along, right? I jump into that. And now I have a conversation with you now Mm -hmm. you and i i you know we have a conversation back and forth and i start adjusting the way i design the way i make things and the prices and the whole thing and we we really have this connection and you expect certain things from me and you can bother me 24 hours a day at middle of the night Mm -hmm. we do we get we have those conversations all night long i wake up in the morning and i've the customers my customer service team is all over me um but the the um the conversation we haven't had is what we're starting, which is now there's three people right mm. now, there's the maker, there's the consumer, and there's the company. And what we see is a regenerative. And that's our new word, right? Regenerative, which means shared knowledge. That we're sharing knowledge and we're sharing value. So all three of us are gaining value, and all three of us are gaining equal value. Um, Mm. You know, we're going, we're going to, we're not going to start work with someone and then just drop them. We're going to start work with them, and then they own that. If we, they build, make a pant for us, they own that that pant through through its life cycle. And Mm. our life cycle is different. Like we have a very interesting. Um, our company, for, for example, the top 20 selling products in our, our company are the same that we started with four years ago. Same mm. 20 top selling products, still in black. And, <laughs> but we do multiple colors, but the customer still buys the black one. But, uh, we, um, but that is because I don't believe in seasons. I think it's stupid. And we don't believe in, we just make things better. And if people really love them, we keep them in the line and they stay in the line. We only add about 10 to 15% newness every year. And yeah. what that and we still have a very big customer re, uh, repeat rate. And it's a different model than the fashion mall, right? That you need something every 8 weeks is different. It's stupid. Um, <laughs> that's just making a lot of that's making a lot of product that nobody needs. And yeah. even if you do it because if you really love something, right? If you really love your t-shirt, if you really love this top, if you really love your pant, when you actually want it again and again and again, it's like your favorite shoe, like right. When was that last time Birkenstock changed their shoe? And right. I go and buy a new Birkenstock every time. You know, I love my Birkenstocks, right? But th- they haven't changed that design since what eighteen hundreds. <laughs> um, so, and God, I wish I had that business. But the but that is that's the way we think about our our products. That you can have a product that is the same um, continuously. And that's been, it's been powerful because what happens is now we can guarantee these makers that they have longevity, that they can see longevity and they're, they're, they're gig workers, right? They're, they're, they're contract, um, uh, what's the right word? Contractor workers, like a Uber driver or Lyft driver or a Grubhub. Yeah. Yeah. There you go. Um, but. And what's different about us and them is that we actually do really believe in, in shared value. And so we're actually going to – the people who work with us are going to have ownership in the company, everyone right. who works with us. Because what we want to do is change that conversation of value for them and longevity. So we're, we're looking at – and it's not legal, actually, that people – that gig worker can have uh, equity in a corporation. Um, but so because we all the gig the workers
0: were kind of, unfortunately uh, – Screwed. Yeah.
1: Yeah, but the but the but we're changing that conversation, and we're going to do it. But because we see a corporation's values differently than I think some other people out there, and I think that's a shame. Um, I I don't see how a company can be billions and billions of dollars and treat their employees poorly. I don't see how you can be hundreds of million dollars. I don't see how you can be a million dollars and treat your the people who who make your products badly. But that's where we've become. We've become a, a, a society that that lets the makers in this country or other countries, um, be devalued, be disregarded, be, be the first thrown out. And that's, n- that's unacceptable. And we're going, sh- we're going to show the world that you can actually do it a different way and you can be profitable and you can be smart about the business. Um, and we're seeing out to do that.
0: Mm-hmm. There's, there's an economist that, I always forget his name, and, it, and this is embarrassing now, but um, he has a discussion where he talks about how consumers buy stock like the average person. And his argument is that he wants more consumers that in order for you to buy a, to buy stock, you actually have to thoroughly research the company and you have to read all of the companies basically like what yeah. uh, what an investor would do. Well, like an-
1: analyst. Yeah. That's why they all have the analysts. Yeah. Yeah,
0: and and then you would basically have to okay and and take responsibility for the weight because if you're going to take the responsibility and take profit from the company as it grows you also have to take the responsibility if the company in its own demise right so if yep. the company is all of a sudden you know in trouble for making a toxic chemical then you personally as a as you know are liable shareholder in that yeah exactly that's why and,
1: shareholders that's what it's called that's why it's called shareholder yeah.
0: <laughs> and so his argument is this would help uh, you know raise a ton of awareness but also pull a lot of people out of buying bad stocks and things like that because when you think about say gap for example right if if every consumer knew at the very beginning you know how or every buyer right every shareholder was like this is how our denim facility is and and you were like oh wait I don't think people would buy it because I don't think an active mind does want to pollute the planet, destroy the economy, not pay a fair wage for someone. People want, want to live in a harmonious environment where people yep. are paid fairly and treated fairly. It's just that yeah. people also love money and they are just like, well, maybe yeah. cause I didn't read it. It just didn't happen. Well, it, it it did. Yeah,
1: it <laughs> and, 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 well, it's, it's such a great thing to say because one of the things I always say to people is vote with your dollars. Yeah. Right. So it's the same thing. Y- even if you don't buy stock in that company, if you buy, if you buy from a company, you should know the values of that company and truly know them mm-hmm. um, because. That's important. It's important that you're that you're just not doing it the easy way. That you don't want to buy from. I, I don't know a company. I can't think of any that's doing something bad right now. I probably can't, really. But, um, I was yeah. gonna say.
0: <laughs> <laughs> no,
1: I'm kidding. Go ahead. Um, but the. <laughs> <but, laughs> so will leave that alone. But the um, <laughs> but the, but that is you know that is what you just said is really relevant because think about it. like I. It was kind of why I started off on this mission, right? I I where I said I want what do I want to do the next 10 years. It was because I my the values of how I eat, the values of how I live,
0: mm. um,
1: those weren't showing up with my work. And so I needed to change my work. And then I needed to create a company that had my values. And when I when I hit this this new block and, and was really honest with myself, I was like, you're talking out of both sides of your mouth if you only talk about the environment. Because mm. you don't have, you're not helping. You're not helping this problem that's right out there, and you can see it. So, what are you going to do about that? Um, and that is that's, it, in, like you say about COVID, right? Horrible time, but it's also a time that we have to reflect. Mm. And the world was trying. The world is telling us to reflect because you're you've been forced into your home. You've been put away from other people. You're social. You're you're not socially engaging with everyone you're not going to work um an office so you have this other time to sort of reflect and and if you're not reflecting on that you're you're wasting this time and you're not listening to what the the universe is trying to tell us um i'm a big believer that there's a reason why we're being told um (laughs) through this that we're we're off we're off kilter we're off pace um and 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 i think how you consume is a huge part of that i'm a big believer that you vote by how you consume yeah um, even the if you have the, the news media you watch and everything how the television shows you watch all these things are the way that you vote with your dollars um so it's super important i, I believe in what you said 100% how you buy stocks everything yeah um, it's a it's a time if we start doing that you will we will see a different world if we if enough people who care really care about, and don't, don't BS yourself, like really care. You'll start seeing a different world. We'll start seeing ourselves. The, it, we'll start seeing the world we all want starting to grow. And it's going to yeah. take, it's going to take a while, but we, we've got to start because, because we've really passed the point of no return. We're, we're past the oh, point. Of the West coast is on we're, fire. <laughs> the West coast is on fire, but we're, we, yes. And the, do you see the big, the, the big piece of, uh, ice that fell off of, uh, Where was that? Um, That's like forty miles big. Um, But there's, there's, there's we're 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 past where we were supposed to be, and we're not making enough changes to actually even help ourselves. Um, Yeah. And that's shameful because the the changes really aren't that hard, and a lot of them, and this is me getting political, but a lot of them I believe can help create jobs. Socially, and then I think there's a lot of opportunity. And I think it's a shame that America's not leading at this point, because one of the things we've been very good at as a country and what we're falling off of from now is we're not leading the change. We should be showing the world, you know, like we do in fashion by making everybody more comfortable. We should be leading the change with how we're seeing the environment and how we're going to be the first to create new technologies and all these ideas that could happen into it. Um I think there's – there's, I, I I wish I was 20 years old again because I, I think there's a billion businesses to go out there and build mm. um, that would be really fascinating around um, the environment and helping people and helping social causes, um, uh, 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 changing our political, political conversation because we all waste way too much time talking about politics and about politicians because they're supposed to be serving us. And what a waste of time that they are – They're the biggest noise in all of our lives now. Um, They're supposed to be focused on making things better. And all they're doing is, is showing up on the news and wasting our time um, instead of fixing things. But I could go, that's a whole, it's a whole (laughs) nother podcast where you want to have it.
0: (laughs) Well, Patrick, this has been really, really, really good. Uh, i I can't thank you enough for your candor throughout this entire conversation.
1: Yeah. <laughs> I, t- I warned you before. <laughs> no, I, I love that.
0: it. And, and it's, I'm very grateful for it because I think a lot of people don't always communicate, um, where their heart is. And, and I yeah. think, you know, what, what makes an engaging conversation or what makes something where people really do fall in love with someone is when they can, when there's an, uh, an empathetic connection, you know, and, and just yeah. hearing that the stuff that you've, um, you know, from what you've built to where your, you know, your goals are. I, I would, it's incredibly inspiring.
1: Well, thank you. Take care of yourself, man. Be good. You've been listening to Blamo. Our
0: theme music is by Breakmaster Cylinder, and we're edited by Brendan Finn and produced by Blamo Media. You can follow along with us on Instagram at Blamo podcast, and leave a review for us on your favorite podcast app. Want even more Blammo? Head over to patreon.com forward slash Blammo to join the Blam fam and you'll get access to additional interviews, a community slack, special events, and more. Best of all, you're supporting the show. Thanks everyone. See you soon.